Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Don't go to bed with unresolved hurts and conflicts. You see, as you're sleeping, as you're doing that, Satan's working overtime. And he's creating in you this anger and built up resentment. You see, we have to forgive. We have to let the sun not go down until we have said to our spouse, and guys, you're the spiritual leader at home. Even if she's the one, ask her forgiveness. Hope is what keeps our marriages and love alive. Hope isn't wishful thinking, it's based on the truths of God's Word. Marriage is a lifetime of togetherness. Working, worshiping, playing, loving, raising children, solving problems, and having fun together. Today, Pastor Mark uses his biblical insight to help us learn how to let God bring laughter, peace, and life back into our homes. God's plan always works. He designed our marriages to end loneliness, bring companionship, and experience completeness. Listen in to hear how to do life right together with God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, verse 18 with our continuing study entitled, Biblical Blueprint of Marriage. So we submit to God, then we submit to each other, then if all else fails in decision-making, which very rare, the husband then has to take that authority as the wife submits to him. We're equal, we just have different roles. By the way, let me share with you a key. It's a simple key, but it's true in any case, in any situation in the world. In any kind of organism, there must be a head. You got it? Anything without a head, good luck. You ever seen a chicken? How does it do? That's what a marriage is with no head. Now, you ever seen anything with two heads? That's a freak. That's in Guinness Book of Records or whatever. That's a marriage where a husband and wife are what? Both trying to be the lead. You can't have that. Now, Proverbs 12, 18. This is our fourth point tonight. Work for a home filled with effective communication. With effective communication. Look at Proverbs 12, 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Speak before think. Next chapter, 13, verse 3. He who guards his lips guards his life. But he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. 
You know what's incredibly surprising to me? The number of times in the last 10 years in a marriage counseling session between two Christians that I've heard the words from one of them at least in that counseling session, verbal abuse. Not physical, verbal abuse. Now that is an oxymoron. Two Christians submitted to God in their home is verbal abuse. That's impossible. That's the flesh ruling. That is not the spirit ruling. Where two people lash out, say things that pierce like a sword. Now we've all been there. If you've been married, there's been probably one of us in this room that hasn't said something that you wish you'd have never said to your spouse. You can't take it back. It's there. You can ask forgiveness. God forgives. But that taught us a lesson, didn't it? If you're here tonight and you just casually toss those words around between each other and your kids are listening, you're, you're creating damage in that home. Sometimes almost irreparable, except for the grace of God. See, criticism sometimes... We say, well, it's not verbal abuse. It's just criticism. What you're trying to do is remold your spouse by critical words. Remember, anytime we're trying to change our spouse, forget it. It isn't going to work. It never will work. Only God can do that. We can't. So just go back to that. So we need to have some communication skills. Instead of those verbal words that come out that pierce like a sword, speaking rashly, here's some communication skills I want to talk to you about. Just two of them tonight. Move from tearing down to building up. And I want you to practice that this week. I want a husband and wife, first of all, let's learn to control our tongue. And then instead of saying things that hinder and scar and tear down, let's look for ways to say to our spouse things that help and heal and build up. As you think of last week with your spouse, how many times did we build up our spouse? How many times did we tear them down? And here's a definite no-no. Never tear your spouse down in front of somebody else. Do you know who you just tore down? You. Because you're a team. So don't do that. See, we need to have kind words that come out of our mouth. Listen to this story. Truth and love went for a walk together one day. Truth was constantly speaking while love listened with only an occasional word to say. Soon enough on their walk, wisdom joined them, and the conversation changed right away. Wisdom helped direct truth in what was appropriate to say, while love tempered the words in such a God-like way. You see, speaking the truth in love doesn't mean you always say everything that you need to say. Sometimes the better thing is to say, you got it, nothing. If your wife says to you, honey, do I look in this dress? It's too late already. Just let it go by. See, our communication is so vital in our marriages. Second, not only do we need to build up, not tear down, we need to move from silence to words. 
One of the things that I find very interesting, and, and it's hard for all of us, it's hard for guys, and you know before, we've talked about many times, that many, many studies have proven over and over again that a wife talks significantly more, has many more words than a guy. So sometimes we struggle with that as guys, because we're just looking for the, just give me the facts, and she wants to give us a detail. Just give me the facts, detail. Here we are again. 25,000 to seven words. We're trying to figure the difference. And we have a trouble with it. But you know what? All the premarital counseling I've done for years, one of the situations is you go through this four months of premarital counseling, and they have books and homework, and they're assigned every week, and they got to go a chapter a week, and then they get together after they've done it privately, and get together, and they talk about it. Man, they're spending hours just talking, no, 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 no. Man, they're just talking everything in the world. Then comes marriage. And one of the things I hear later as I'm talking to these couples is, who is this guy married? He's all of a sudden shut up. He's quiet. The words aren't there. So she's just talking away and he's over there, you know, whatever. We need to move from that silence back to communication. Now, what one thing has destroyed communication in marriage? What was it? TV. It's the one thing. What I want to encourage you to do this week, take a night off, pull the plug. This is homework, okay? Pull the plug. I know it's going to hurt real bad. Just pull the plug. Get with your spouse and talk. Share some time. Talk beyond surface issues. Talk about your feelings and your emotions and your dreams. We need to honestly learn to talk. And husbands, I'm going to give you, this one's worth 25 bucks. Listen, it is. You can see me after the service. Listen to this. Husbands, unless we develop intimacy outside the bedroom, you'll never find effective intimacy in the bedroom. Did you get it? You can pay me next week. Hmm. That's right. By the way, pull the plug in the bedroom too. Talk. Talk. You see, unless we open ourselves to our spouses in lots of different ways, just the hopping into the bed as we learned last week doesn't come natural for a lady. You remember the picture, don't you? We don't need to go there again, do we? Okay. For those of you who aren't here, it's not on video. Well, I guess it is. Eventually we'll have it on video for you. Number five, turn to the Song of Solomon. Find that one. It's not a chorus book. Song of Solomon, right after Proverbs. Keep going. This is point number five. Work for a home filled with fun. 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 Song of Solomon, chapter two. God designed us, and he knew our physical, emotional marriage health would require recreation, kickback time, fun in all of our lives. By the way, those of you that are single and looking for a spouse, find somebody that's fun now. If they're not fun now, good luck. <laughs> you got it? I didn't say funny looking, just fun. If you can't have fun with them now, keep looking. Keep the train right on the track, just keep going. You got to have fun now. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10. Look at Solomon. Now, he's, he's inviting his wife just to spend time with him. That T-I-M-E. That's it. Look at this. 
my lover, that's his wife, that, those aren't two different people, should never be. If you're married, that should be your spouse. My lover spoke and said to me, husbands, start practicing these words. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. Now put it in your own terms or she'll know you're cheating. Hmm. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of the doves, rather than the dripping of the sink, is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. My dove in the cleft of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. You see, Solomon just wanted to spend some time on a walk with his wife. Smell the flowers, look at nature, kick back, have some time together. Now it's hard. We've passed the stage, but I know many of you are here. Family life activities from diapers to increase housework to sporting activities to you name it. But we still, as couples, must have times together. We need times of fun, reflection. Simply being together. If you're here tonight, and other than you're a new mom for two weeks or whatever, if you've been a mom for, and I, I don't know anybody, so I'm able to say this, if you've been a mom or dad, and you're not able to take a night after a few months away from your child with an adequate babysitter, you always have to have your baby with you, you're damaging that child, and you're damaging your marriage. You must have those times with your spouse. Find a good babysitter that you can trust. God's in control. If you're killed tomorrow, God will take care of your child. Think of Moses. So we need time together. I want to encourage you this week, again, to have a date night again. Get together together or even once in a while with another couple. Even surprise, you know, call your wife and have lunch with her. Whatever. Doesn't matter. You can come over here and have a sandwich. Just, just to be alone for a little bit. It's no big deal. Find a way to be creative. Be together. Before long, you'll see that it brings that fun and that joy and that relaxation in this pressure-filled world we have. Kick back. Do something different. Now, if you can't afford a babysitter... One will be appointed to you by the court or something. Somebody will. <laughs> no. Find another couple that has a kid and say, we'll do Friday night. Can you do Thursday night? You watch theirs, they'll watch yours. Have a great time together. Enjoy yourselves. Destroy boredom. Make memories. Are you making memories? Not just with a camera. Are you making memories? I have a picture of my mom and dad after I was like two years old, three years old in California. My desk at home. It was their first trip basically out of the Midwest to California. Way back then, I learned to travel from my mom and dad, to get along, to be together. Guys, destroy boredom. Turn back to Ephesians. This brings us to number six. You still with me? Yeah. All right. 
Not only do we need to laugh in our homes, but our homes need to be filled with hope, forgiveness, and prayer. Marriage is tough. There isn't a person in this room that doubts it. Listen to this statement from a New England tombstone. I loved it when I read it. Beneath these stones, there does lie, back to back, my husband and I. When the last trump the air shall fill, if he gets up, I think I will just lie still. Sometimes marriage is tough. It's just hard. So one of the things that destroys our marriage is we have unrealistic expectations. Have realistic expectations tonight. There are no perfect marriages. Repeat after me. There are no perfect marriages. Look at your spouse and repeat it. There are no perfect marriages. I didn't hear too many amens, but uh, is that true? Yeah, it's because we're not perfect. So you see what happened in marriage is we expect when we get married, and this is for many of you as teenagers, students, younger gals, guys, we, we think we have these expectations in marriage, these unrealistic dreams that never materialize. We expect our spouse to think, feel, and behave in certain ways. They don't. We get hurt, get disappointed. God made us different. We're not different to change each other. We're there to celebrate one another. Now, when these unfulfilled expectations, if we keep having them, oh, I only wish, oh, I only wish, if you keep going there, here's what it's going to bring up. Look at Ephesians 4.26. Anger and conflict. Because you're frustrated with this image of who you think your spouse should be. They will never be that. Look what happens. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Linda and I have always obeyed that command. In fact, right tonight, it's been six days since we slept. <laughs> That's why I look so tired up here. That's not true. It's only been three. Now, what does that mean? Somebody here talked about that. They just get on a plane and keep going so the sun never sets. <laughs> That's not what that means. It means this. Don't go to bed with unresolved hurts and conflicts. You see, as you're sleeping, and really, we don't sleep well. We toss and turn. We've all been there. As you're doing that, Satan's working overtime. And he's creating in you this anger and built-up resentment. You see, we have to forgive we have to let the sun not go down until we have said to our spouse, and guys, you're the spiritual leader at home. Even if she's the one, ask her forgiveness. That'll do wonders. Let me give you five statements quick. Write them down that are a key in a successful marriage. Five little simple statements. I don't know. I was wrong. I need help. I'm afraid. When a guy says that to a wife, that's a wonderful thing. Because the guy has moved to feelings. You'll say that, guys, when you face surgery, when you face layoffs. Say it before that. And the last one, I'm sorry. You know how many marriage sessions I do and the spouse will say, I've never heard my spouse say that to me. That's impossible in our world. We have to learn, not excuse, I'm simply sorry. 
Look at verse 27, the next one. In your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. You see, if you get angry, he's got his foot, and you know where his foot is? In your bed. And that's a dangerous place for Satan. Ephesians 6.18 says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and request. You see, we are in, we are in a spiritual battle. Psychology 101 doesn't work. You can get a million marriage books, some nice principles, but the thing that works is God's blueprint. I've given you six, I've got one more for you. Prayer is a deciding factor in the success of our marriages. When you pray, open yourself, confess, admit your selfishness, admit your forgiveness, acknowledge the truth of God's word. Many of you, I know, you've told me, you pray before you go to bed at night. Good habit. You see, it's hard to pray and be angry with your spouse. Number seven, turn back to the book of Proverbs one more time. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 23. Number seven, start expecting God to help you have a good marriage. Maybe you already have a good marriage. Well, then move that word from good to great. Some of you are hurting tonight. Your spouse isn't saved. Just start expecting. Start praying. I know you have been. Don't lose hope. Look at Proverbs eleven twenty three. The desire of the righteous, those that have a relationship with God, ends only in good. The desire, my desire, maybe your desire is for your spouse to come to the Lord, or whatever it else that is in your marriage. The desire of the righteous ends only in good, but the hope of the wicked only in wrath. You see, hope is what keeps our marriages and love alive. Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is based on the truth of God's word. Now, I want you to remind yourself. I want you to see this triangle again. You saw it earlier, but I want to remember something. As you look at this triangle tonight of marriage, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. See, that's the key right there. It's God. And if we'll follow his blueprint, nothing is impossible. Marriage is a lifetime of working together, worshiping together, playing together, loving together, raising children together, solving problems together, having fun together. Life is too short to have bitterness, unforgiveness, and boredom in our homes. Life is too short to sit and waste all our hours in front of the TV in empty silence. Life is definitely too short to be bringing up past failures. God has a blueprint for our marriage and homes. God's plan always, always, always works. He designed our marriage to end loneliness, bring companionship, completeness. Let's follow God's plan. Let Him bring laughter and peace and life once again to our home. Pastor Mark wanted to remind us today that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. The key here is God. And if we'll follow His blueprint, no thing is impossible. We've been focusing on marriage, the home, and God's design for our lives. Remember, whatever stage you're in, whatever condition you're in, it's important to take the right steps towards experiencing life right. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
there's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. God wants us to know His will. Do you believe that? Hopefully you do, but sometimes God's will seems elusive. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will help remove some of the mystery surrounding this important aspect of the Christian life. God's main purpose in the process of life is conforming us to be like Jesus. He cares about the details of our lives and wants us to have faith in the fact that all things work together for good. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Here